Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland, so that we can help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. You can always join us in person each Sunday at 8.30 a.m. and 11 here on our beautiful campus in Rock Spring, Georgia. So it's neat to be here. Hey, this is the last day of 2017. Some of you guys got some junk you've been struggling with all of 2017. We need to put that stuff in the past. We're going to talk about that in just a little bit. I love this time of year because we, we move from one year to another year. And uh, even though there's nothing magical about going from January 31st, 2017 to December 1st, 2018, there's, there's something psychological for me that makes me just love this time of year. I start to dream differently. Every year this happens, I start to dream differently about what God wants us to do in kids' ministry. I start to think personally about goals that I have um, to be a better father, some goals that I have to be more organized, some goals that I have to be a better leader, some goals I have to clean out the closet. You know, those, those things are, are things that come to my mind this time of year. Some people say uh, they decide this time of year that they're going to be a better leader, and so they, they begin to listen to... Uh, podcasts on leadership because they're going to become a better leader. Sometimes people read books because they say, I'm going to read X number of books this year. And and all of those goals are good and great. And uh, some people, perhaps all of us, as I slid these bridges on this morning, I realized that it was a goal that all of us should probably have in 2018, become a little more physically fit. I was talking to Rick about that earlier this morning. He said he always starts the gym January 2nd because he will be not a part of anyone's system or program. So he doesn't go 1st of January, he goes 2nd of January. And so we all set those goals, and we need to become more physically fit. That's something we all probably, um, except for my wife, maybe all of us need to uh, set a goal like that in their life. Some of us start looking at heroes, and we all have a hero. There's someone that we... There's someone that we want, want to be like, and so we, we, we start watching them, and we learn everything there is to know about them, and sometimes we even go get our hair cut like them, and we, we want to be like that person. I was having a, a text conversation with my son about his walk with Jesus the other day, my son Brock, and we had the conversation, and he ended the conversation this way on text message. He said, Dad, <clears throat> I want my walk to be like yours and Denny's. And um, I'm pretty sure he included me not to make me feel bad. (laughs) He he probably just meant Denny. (laughs) But the truth is, church, we have great worship here. You know why? Because Denny's Denny's just real. He's just real. And uh, his walk with with God is real. And uh, a 20-year-old boy can see that there's something different there that, that he wants for himself. And so we think about our heroes. This time of year, people think about who they have been and who they want to be. Who do I want to be in 2018? And they want to become more who they want to be. So we set these goals and we have these plans and what happens? I think Joel has shared this statistic before, but the truth is 80% of us fail 
at our New Year goals and New Year's resolution, resolutions by mid-February. And so there's, there's, something to, there's something for us to learn about the goals we set and the dreams we have and the plans that we have uh, when it comes to changing from one year to the other. Um, so statistically, um, we, we all fail. So we get hyped up because it's New Year. We, we want to become better, so we set new goals and we fail. And we do that year after year after year after year. And the truth is, we need to understand in life as we set these goals, not just spiritually, but physically in life, in our work, and everything that we do, as we, as we set these goals, we need to understand that we're, we're not in a sprint. We're in a marathon. And uh, sprint and a marathon, they're both races. Uh, one of them requires one type of training. The other requires a different kind of training. One of them requires a quick burst of energy. One of them requires a steady, faithful pursuit of the finish line. See, one of them, we're trying to beat everyone else. The other one, we're trying to beat our personal record and become the one who finishes first in the long race. Life in our spiritual life is a long race. It's one that requires faithfulness and steady pursue the goals. All of us are crafting the us that we really want to be. So New Year's Eve, Peavine Baptist Church begs a question of all of us here today. Who are you trying to be? Who do you want to be? Or perhaps the better question we need to ask ourselves is, who does God want us to be? Who is God making us to be? And as we look at the Bible and, and we look for uh, those guys who um, understood who they were and understood who they were becoming in Christ, there are lots of examples, but there's one that kind of stands out to me lately because I, I read a book a month or two ago called The Last Arrow, and it talks a little bit about the life of Elisha and how Elisha became all that God wanted him to be. So let's turn together to 2 Kings chapter 2 as we look at the, the story of Elisha. 2 Kings chapter 2. You already there because it was up on the screen? I can just read now. My wife, my wife criticizes me for that one thing, not letting people get where they're going in the Bible. So we're there. Let's read it. And it came to pass when the Lord was about to take Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went to Elisha from Gilgal. Then Elisha said to Elisha, Elijah, I'll, I'll get, I promise you, I'll get Elijah and Elisha mixed up this whole uh, sermon, so just be ready for that. Then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you not know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he said, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Then Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Jericho. But he said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho came to Elisha and said to him, do you not know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? So he answered, yes, I know, keep silent. Then Elijah said to him, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to the Jordan. But he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. 
So the two of them went on, and 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood to face them at a distance, while the two of them stood by the Jordan. Now Elijah took his mantle, rolled it up, and struck the water, and it was divided this way and that, so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. And so it was when they had crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask, what may I do for you before I am taken away from you? Elisha said, Please, let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. So he said, You have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I am taken from you, it shall be so. But if not, it shall not be so. Then it happened as they continued and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by whirlwind into heaven, and Elisha saw it. And he cried out, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. So he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and tore them in pieces. He also took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he had struck the water, it was divided this way and that, and Elisha crossed over. In order for us to... um, to have a full understanding of what Elisha went through, we, we need to have a look at uh, some of the backstory. And if we're going to discover who God wants us to be, it's important for us to know uh, kind of an overview of the story of Elisha. The truth is, Elisha didn't just pop up one day and say, hey, I want a por- double portion of the spirit of Elijah. Um, the truth is, there was a process that he went through that started seven or eight years um, before he, uh, the passage that we just read where Elijah was taken into, he- into heaven. Secondly, uh, there, was a, uh, there was a school of the prophets. That is, there was a school of prophets where prophets studied and learned how, the word of God and how to be prophets. It was started by Samuel, and Samuel uh, ran the school of the prophets, and also Elijah, and then Elisha also uh, was a part of the school of prophets. I think it's important for us to note this because I think it's... Um, I think it's fair to say that any one of the students in the school of the prophets, they were called sons of the prophets, any one of these guys perhaps could have had exactly what Elisha got in the end. But they chose differently, and, and Elisha uh, chose to stand out and, um, and be what God had called him to be. Elisha was called in 1 Kings 19 in a meeting with Elijah. He was called, um, he was doing life as a farmer. The Bible tells us he was plowing the field. He had 12 yoke of oxen, so he was a successful farmer. And he was doing, uh, doing life just as he'd done um, all of his days, and he was called there. Prophet wasn't the most popular job in the nation of Israel. The fact is, Israel was in a mess. And um, they were worshiping uh, pagan gods. They were worshiping Baal. And um, there was, um, at that time, the king, his name was Ahab. His wife's name was Jezebel. Don't ever name your kid Jezebel or your dog. It's just not nice. Um, But uh, her name was Jezebel. And the truth is, she was sent out to kill um, all of the prophets. And the prophets were hiding. They were scared of Jezebel. And, and Elijah kept doing what God had called him to do. And a lot of these guys were running and hiding. Not Elijah. He was faithfully doing what God had called him to do. The prophet's responsibility was, pro, was to proclaim justice, righteousness, and the judgment of God if Israel didn't turn back 
to him. You can read your story, the story for yourself in 1 Kings 18 where God instructs Elijah that he had chosen Elisha to be the next prophet of Israel. Then the last part of chapter 19 is where God calls Elisha. So here's what happened. Elijah, Elijah was walking back. He took his cloak. He was walking by Elisha. He took his cloak and tossed it on Elisha. It's almost like Elisha knew what was coming. Because he didn't ask any questions. He just got up and ran towards Elijah. And when he caught up with Elijah, he said, let me, let me go uh, kiss my mom and dad goodbye. Which, as a dad, I appreciate that, don't you? Uh, I put Jacqueline on an airplane yesterday at 6 o'clock. She's going to Oklahoma City and then for a week and then a week in Kansas City and then uh, back to North Africa uh, to do mission work. And I, I appreciate some buy sugar. Don't you all appreciate buy sugar? If you're a mom and dad, I like buy sugar. I don't care how old they get, I want some buy sugar. And so Elisha, he went and he gave, uh, he gave his mom and dad, it says right, it says a kiss. I mean, he, he went and gave him some buy sugar and he did some other things. <clears throat> and um, for seven or eight years... Elisha was at the top of his class in the school of prophets. And then he knew Elijah was about to be out, and he asked for a double portion of the Spirit of God that rested on Elijah. Guess what? He got it. He became exactly what God wanted him to be. So, how do you become what God wants you to be? Because we set these goals, and we have all these plans, and we turn the page from one year to the other, and we set these goals, and statistically, we fail year after year after year. And so there's got to be a bigger picture. There's got to be a bigger plan that when we get that right, all of the little things, all the minutia of life will fall into place, I believe, when we get these things right. And so if we want to be, in 2018... And when I'm preaching this message to you, I'm sitting here looking at myself saying there are some things in my life personally that have to change to be the Jeremy that God has called me to be. And so the first thing I want us to look at this morning is we need to set our sights on him. Elisha was a farmer. We find that in 1 Kings 19. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. Um. <clears throat> Scripture doesn't make it clear, but I think it's safe for us to assume that um, Elisha's family was godly. I think we know that just based on the fact that Elisha was ready for the call. He knew what was happening when the mantle was tossed upon him. So I think it's safe for us to say that his family, even though we, they were surrounded by people who were worshiping Baal, they were God followers. And they had their sights set on Christ. When we set our sights on him, it positions us to be what he wants us to be. In fact, I think we could say, go so far as to say that we can be nothing unless we have our sights set on him, unless we, unless we know him, we can be nothing. We live our lives based on what we know. We know this, we know how to handle this. The decisions we make, we, we make educated decisions based on the fact and based on logic and we need to set our sights on Christ and make our decisions based on what his plan is for our life and what he wants us to do. The very beginning of setting your sights on Christ is beginning a relationship with him. That relationship with him comes when you 
come to a place in your life where you understand that you have disobeyed God, you've broken his rules. The Bible calls all that we've done from birth. Since Adam and Eve started it with the fruit in the Garden of Eden, the Bible calls those things sin. We have to be willing to admit that we are a sinner, that we have offended God and it has separated us from him because he can't look on sin. The truth is there's nothing we can do to fix that gap. It should be our responsibility, and that's where the story gets good. It should be our responsibility to fix the problem. But God knew the problem existed, and he fixed it himself. Because he sent Jesus to pay the penalty for our sin. So all of the things that you've done, all of your disobedience, all of the Ten Commandments that you've broken, everything that you do that offends God, Jesus took all of that on himself. Sinlessly, he took our sin on himself on the cross. He died there. He was buried. The Bible tells us on the third day he rose again. You've got to be willing to admit that you're a sinner. You've got to believe that Jesus died on the cross, was buried, and that he rose again, taking your sin on him, paying the ultimate price, conquering sin, death, and hell so that you can have a relationship with him. And then according to Romans 10, 9, and 10, you believe that in your heart and you confess that with your mouth and you will be saved. That's the beginning. That's the beginning of setting your sights on him. Without that We don't need to worry about anything else. That's the very starting point. When we do that, we stop depending on what we know and start trusting him. It's the beginning of becoming all that God wants us to be. The second thing is, that's one, that's two. The second thing is we need to set our past on fire. This is, this is one of my favorite parts of the story. And I've got some magic tricks that, that involve fire. I, mean, I told you guys I'm the kid's pastor. I, I, I've, got some, I've got two or three magic tricks that have fire. Now, honestly, I thought about using one of them. But um, we had fire on Christmas Eve, and I figured that would do you for a while. And uh, maybe until next year. Um, but... Uh, this story, this part of the story is crazy. God, God made it so clear to Elisha what he wanted him to do. And Elisha, he went and made it abundantly clear to everybody he knew um, that there was something different for him. Let's read the story in 1 Kings 19. I'm going to read it. You don't have to turn there. You can turn if you want. 1 Kings 19, verse 19 through 21. It says, So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him, and he was with the twelve. Then Elijah passed by him, threw his mantle on him, left the oxen, and ran after Elijah, and said, Please, let me kiss my father and mother, and then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back, for what have I done to you? So Elisha turned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and boiled their flesh using the oxen's equipment and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he arose and followed Elijah and became his servant. I mean, do you guys understand what just happened right there? So Elijah comes by, he puts the mantle on Elisha, Elisha. And Elisha knows exactly what's going on. He knows exactly what God has called him to do. Elijah even says, when he says, I need to go say bye to my parents, Elijah says, what have I done to you? 
He's saying there, this is God's call on you. Don't, if you need to go back and say bye to your family, you do what you need to do. This is God's call. This isn't my call on your life. So Elisha goes back. He's got the 12 yoke of oxen. He's plowing. And he takes that plow and he chops it up and he makes firewood. He starts a fire. And he takes his yoke of oxen and he slaughters them. And he boils them. I would have probably put them on the grill, but he boiled them. He boiled the oxen. All his family, all his friends are there. And he cooks them, and they eat them, and they have a farewell party. And then Elisha goes, and he follows Elijah. Now, some people will say, well, bless God, he should have just went right there, right then with Elijah. No, he needed to go back home. And he needed to make a statement before his friends and his family that there was nothing back here for him. God had called him to something greater. And what was in his past, the successful life of farming was no longer in his future. God had called him to a different life and with his whole heart, he was pursuing what God had called him to do. Elisha set his past on fire. Some of us need to set our past on fire. Now, I don't know what that looks like for you. And for some of us, it may mean rising above some of the failures of our past. For some of us, it means we need to quit listening to the enemy who's whispering in our ear constantly our inadequacies. We need to rise above all that we think we can't do and believe that God can do something greater in and through our lives. We need to set our past on fire. That's exactly what Elisha did. Some of us, maybe we're still stuck on the goals from 2017 that we set uh, for ourselves, but we didn't accomplish Make it this year. Make it your goal to become what he wants you to be and don't let your past get in your way. 2017 has been an exciting year, right? I mean, whether you like him or not, Donald Trump's president, that's kind of exciting to watch, right? And um, if, you, if you think about the life of our church, God has done some pretty incredible things, hasn't he? I mean, so, some of you guys, I saw you on video and I saw the pictures. Some of you guys went to Rossville and did the Christmas Eve service there. 156 people at that Christmas Eve service in Rossville. Members who had been there all their life looking at that parking lot full. That, that, guys, that, we, we didn't do that. You know what we did? We said, God, we want to grow, and we don't necessarily want to build a bigger building, and we think that your strategy for us to grow would be through campuses, and we started praying about some certain areas, none of which were in Rossville. <laughs> and then Jeff Rhodes said this. He said, it looks like God called our bluff. He said, you want to reach more people? How about this desperate community? 
that needs the light of Jesus. And so we partner with some people there, and God begins to do some amazing things already. I mean, this is a soft pre-launch, this Christmas Eve service. It's a soft, I mean, we, we ain't even ready yet. We had 156 people there. I believe God's going to do some incredible things. You know what I'm thankful for? I'm thankful that my kids are in a youth group, and I don't believe I'm overstating this when I say this, that are making a difference. This youth group is making a difference in this community. Do you believe that? I'm thankful for the leadership of the Sunday school teachers and Nathan who are, who are, who, you know what they're doing? Just being who God called them to be. They're being who God wants them to be, and God is using them in an amazing way to make a difference right here in this community. As I think about those things, and I think about how great 2017, as we, we've added staff people and God has grown our church body here, I think about all that he has done, and you know what I think? I think we haven't seen anything yet. I think greater things are still to come. You know what I want? I want to be ready. I want to be ready. Don't you want to be ready? Don't you want to be ready for what God is going to do in your life and in the life of these churches? You know what I'm thankful for? I'm thankful for those of you who are sitting here who in 2017 said yes to Jesus. You made him the Lord of your life. I'm thankful for the life transformation that has taken place in some of your families. And you know what, church? God allows us to be a part of that. Not just me because I'm a pastor, but some of you guys have brought people here whose lives have been radically changed by the power of the gospel. It is a privilege for us to do what God has called us to do right here. Set your focus on Christ. I'm sorry. Set your sights on Christ. Focus is later. Set your sights on Christ. Set your past on fire. And then last, set your focus on faithfulness. Even though God had chosen Elisha to be Elijah's replacement as a prophet for Israel, it was more than seven years before he became the man. I think it probably would have been easy for Elisha to do this. He probably, um, this is probably what I would have done, but Elisha probably maybe thought at some point he could have, um, hey, dude, that mantle fits. You know, I've already had it on once. It's just my size. Like, you can go ahead and give that to me anytime. Seven years. He's thinking, Elijah, Elijah, dude, you're getting old. Aren't you a little bit tired? I mean, don't, don't you think it's time? Just, just go ahead and, uh, you know, God's already called me. He made that clear to you. You know what's up. You know what's about to happen. Let's, let's just go ahead and, and do that. And he could have been like maybe the other sons of the prophets, the students in the school of prophets, and he could have maybe decided that he wanted to hang out at Starbucks and stroke his beard and debate theology and wait for someone to come in whom perhaps he could disciple. And, um, but he didn't. He pursued God's plan for his life. I love this, I love this phrase, and I don't know why, because it's... Doesn't match anything about me, but Elisha, he bloomed where he was planted. 
He knew where God had placed him, and he began to grow and follow Jesus and become more like Jesus and learn his responsibility and his role. And I think sometimes what happens for us in, in church life is, is we want that job, or, or we, want, we want this job. And, and the job that God has placed us in is, is where we need to be. And, and, and perhaps there is something greater for us, but we need to learn to bloom where we're planted and be all that God wants us to be in the role that he's placed us in. That, was, that wasn't in the notes, but... Um, so here's the deal. 2 Kings 2 tells us with Eli, uh, Elisha was with Elijah and Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, stay here. God wants me to go to Bethel. And Elisha said, nope. As long as God lives and as long as you live, I'm not going to leave your side. They got to Bethel. And the Bible says uh, the sons of the prophets came running out of Starbucks. And they said, hey, did you know, did you know that the one who is over you is going to be gone today. And Elisha's like, shh, we're not talking about that. you know. And uh, so uh, then Elijah said, hey, uh, God wants me to go into Jericho. You stay here. And Elisha said, no, nope, I'm going with you. And uh, so they got to Jericho and 50 of the sons of prophets, the Bible says, they came out and they said, hey, did you know that the one who is over you is going to be gone today. And Elisha's like, hey, dude, we're not talking about it. I'm, I, like, I'm just being faithful right now. I don't want to talk about all that. And then uh, Elijah said, hey, God, God wants me to go to the Jordan. And, uh, and you just stay here. And Elisha said, no, nope, I'm going with you. Um, and so they got to the Jordan. And Elijah took his mantle and he rolled it up. And he struck the water. The Bible says it parted this way and that way, and he walked across on dry ground. They got to the other side, and Elijah said, hey, I don't know if you know this, but I'm about to leave, and um, do you, is there anything you want from me before I go? And Elisha said, I want a double portion of the Spirit of God that rests on you. And Elijah said, you know, that's, that's kind of a big deal, what you just asked for. And... Um, he said, if you're with me, when I'm taken away, you'll have it. If you're not with me, when I'm taken away, you won't have it. You know what? Elisha was faithful. We know, we go on to read the story, we know that he, he got a double portion of the spirit of Elijah on him because he was faithful. So when we, set about, when, we, when we think about setting goals and setting New Year's resolutions, I think more so we need to focus on being faithfulness. He got a double portion because he was faithful. So when you think about setting goals, Jeremy, Jeremy, what about your goals? Don't, don't you wish you could be, be a communicator like Andy Stanley or Johnny Hunt or Adrian Rogers Mm -mm. I used to. I just want to be the most faithful Jeremy that God's placed me here to be. That's, that's all I want to be. I, I just want to be what God wants me to be right here. Jeremy, don't, don't you wish you could lead like John Maxwell? Not really. I mean, I, I'd like to have some of the book money, if I'm honest with you, but not really. I just want to be faithful. I just want to be faithful to God 
right here at Peavine Baptist Church in Peavine City, which is 20-mile radius of where we are sitting right here, 20-mile radius. I want to be faithful right here. Ain't that enough? Ain't, ain't that enough? As we talk about what God wants us to do, we just need to be faithful. We need to be faithful. We want to set our eyes on Jesus. We want to burn up our past so that there's no going back. And we want to be faithful to what God has called us to be. To some, that might look like coasting. Say, Jeremy, you coasting? Nope. Nope. There's a lot to do, ain't it, Denny? Amen. There's a lot to do. And, uh, and so uh, we, we just want to be faithful. Some of us are still chasing that person we always want to be. A little bit of spiritual, a little bit of success, a little bit of fitness. We keep setting the same goals year after year. We keep failing year after year. We need to decide that we want to become who God wants us to be by setting our sights on him setting our past on fire and focusing on being faithful. Then he's coming. He's going to get a song ready. And um, some of us this morning, we need, we need to decide. I said this kind of at the beginning. Some of us have some chains we need to get rid of. Some things that we've been hanging on, hanging on to all of 2017. We need to start... 2018 with a clean slate with God. We need to start 2018 saying, God, as far as I know, everything between you and I right now is right. Start the new year that way. Setting goals is important, and I'm going to set some goals. But the truth is, more than that, I want to be who God wants me to be. The bigger picture, see, the bigger picture of who God wants me to be. I want to be faithful. Maybe you're here this morning and you would say, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. There's never been a time in my life when I made Jesus the Lord of my life. It begins with you understanding that you're a sinner and you can't save yourself. Believing that Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sin and confessing that to him. It really is that simple. Surrendering your life to him. And maybe you've never made that decision and God has spoken to your heart and today you need to give your heart and your life to Jesus. I want to give you an opportunity to do that. And so let's stand together and let's bow our heads and close our eyes. If God's spoken to your heart and you need to give your heart and life to Christ this morning. I want to invite you in the quietness of this moment, while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, I want to invite you to tell God this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know I can't save myself. I believe that Jesus died on the cross. He was buried and that he rose again on the third day to pay the penalty for my sin. God, I ask you to forgive me. Take up residence in my heart and life. Lord, I surrender to you. 
No one's looking around. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. If you prayed that prayer today for the first time and you meant it. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week, helping you to apply God's word to your daily life. For more information about Peavine, be sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and at our website, www.peavine.org. Thanks for listening.